Okay, so hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 20 and um, we have a good episode for you today because Horatio is on and he's going to talk to us about um, some interesting stuff. So he just had the chance to test drive the new BMW X-Drive, uh, X5M. excuse me. Um, we're going to talk about the new logo change for, the, uh, for BMW just in general, but it kind of started on the i4 concept. And then we're going to talk about the i4 concept as well. So hello Horatio and thank you for joining us. Hey, Nico. Thanks for having me once again. Uh, lots of exciting topics this week. So uh, I guess we'll just uh, dive right into it. Yeah. So you yeah, want me to kick off with the X5M and X6M? That's the latest one that yes. I've been dealing yeah. with or working on. Yeah. So yeah, so I don't even know. It was maybe a couple of weeks ago. I was in um, I was in Phoenix, actually Scottsdale, Arizona. And that's where the uh, uh, international media launch of the X5M and X6M took place. Um, not sure why they chose that region, but there were some really fantastic roads to drive on. I was hoping that we're going to go to a racetrack, but that hasn't happened. Hmm. I think um, for generation X5M, X6M, um, oh my God, long time ago, maybe 10 years ago, longer than that, it was in Atlanta, a road Atlanta, so they had us on the track. Uh, it was actually quite fantastic to to drive those cars. So I was kind of hoping that that's the case, but it hasn't. So um, with that being said, um, I reviewed both cars. I mean, I started with the X5M in the early morning. We um, did a few runs from zero to 62 miles per hour. And yes. it was also, yeah, I mean, actually the nice part about this event was that uh, BMW realized that, you know, there's so much power in these cars. And everybody wants to push the cars quite hard. And they said, you know, let's talk to the local police and see if we can ah. <laughs> come up to an agreement where basically if you want to do any stunts, don't do it on the, you know, public road with people on, let us close the road and you can do that. So it was kind of nice, you know, because you could actually just go up to the sheriff and say, hey, you know, can you close the road for like, you know, two minutes, we want to do this run or, you know, can you stop the traffic from that side so we can record this? So it was okay. kind of... Yeah, it, it was it was kind of nice for them to do that. They didn't really, uh, you know, bother the local traffic. There wasn't much traffic anyway. But if there were any, you know, bicyclists or, uh, you know, bikes, you know, going around, they told them to just stop a little bit so everyone is safe. So that was quite interesting and quite cool for them to do that. So let me jump in with that. So zero to sixty two. I did a couple of runs. There were actually three of us in the car, and I only realized that a little bit after I did the, the <laughs> test. Basically. I think in between the two of us, we had probably close to 600 pounds, um, maybe a little bit less, but um, less we had ideal. also, yeah, less than ideal. There was a full tank of gas because I started in the early morning. So uh, the car was definitely heavier than they would test in, in when they do the official numbers. And right. we also had quite a few of equipment gear and including the guy, the video guy that was with us. So I think... Uh, you know, it's it's fair to say that, you know, 650 pounds was probably in that car extra plus the gas. We did, uh, I believe, 3.82 seconds. Um, we did a couple of runs, one uphill, one downhill. There was no really straight road, like flat road where we can do that. Um, and I think, you know, we came up short compared to, I think, Carwow, some other I don't know, Yeah, YouTube I saw channels. Carwow's. Theirs was, I think 
3.6 he got go, but going uh, downhill, I think. I think 3.6 or 3.3. I don't remember. Oh, so one of those. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was something something extremely quick. It, it was downhill. Yeah. So I think uphill they went up by a tenth of a second. Did Did you notice a difference, like uh, time-wise? Uh, just a tenth of a second. Just a tenth of a second, really. I think it was 3.82 and then 3.9 or something like that, 3.96. So really not much of a difference. Um I'm I'm sure if I would have continued to test it and maybe shift a little bit, you know, better, probably I could have got the same time, especially with no people on. But nonetheless, car it's extremely, extremely fast. Uh, so yeah. much torque from low RPM. I mean, that was the nice part. I mean, it, it's a heavy car, but once that turbo kicks in, you really don't feel that. So I think that was, you know, uh, the highlight of the of the entire drive. You know, just having that torque availability for you all the time. So we started with that, then we moved on to some regular driving, basically wanted to experiment, you know, how you would drive the car on, let's say a highway, and then jumping onto some of those, you know, curvy back roads in the desert, which they were quite fantastic, actually. So I did manage to push the car quite hard. Uh, I wrote a review on BMW blog, so anyone can actually go there. There is also a YouTube channel with a review, but basically to summarize it, um, it's an improvement over the previous generation, as you'd expect. Uh, the engine has been revised. They've done a great job revising that engine, which was already pretty good. Transmission-wise, same thing. Fantastic. Very, very smooth shifting, um, even in Sport Plus configuration, and very, very precise. So I kind of like that. I use the shift paddles a little bit just so I can play around with that. But you know, you could just let the car do its thing, and it will be you know quite fast. Steering, yeah. <laughs> you know, the steering, it's always a topic that comes up. I don't even know if a lot of customers to buy EX5M or XSM really care about the steering input, but um, same as you'd expect in a car of this size, similar to the M5. So it's well connected to the road. You get a lot of feedback. Um, it's not really soft if you go into the Sport Plus mode. It's actually, you know, quite sharp and quite heavy. And of course, you can you know set it up into comfort and getting that a little bit more of a, a comfortable ride. And so basically, it's same thing as all the other new BMWs. They're trying to right. cater to a wider demographic. So they said, hey, you know, let's give a wider range of options so we can please everyone. I, again, I mean, if you're looking at the electromechanical steerings, you know, like I have in my 1M, you know, those times yeah. are gone. We'll, I mean, those times are gone. We'll never, yeah. never going to see something no. like that. I don't even know if customers really want that. I mean, aside from a few enthusiasts, uh, you know, diehard fans of the brand, I don't think uh, people would actually <laughs> want to do that. So that was cool. Uh, I mentioned the engine and the, and the horsepower. I mean, it's over 600 horsepower, so that's just, just a crazy amount of power. And it tends to help you hide the weight. So, I mean, the car, it's heavy. It's over two tons, I think. 4,600 pounds, 4,500 pounds, some of maybe 43, somewhere around there. So it's yeah. extremely heavy, especially with us in, in the car, it was even heavier. Uh, but it's able to hide its, you know, heft. Uh, if you go into corners, you know, try to, you know, be super sporty, especially if you, you know, turn up some of the nanny controls, uh, you would feel that body roll quite a bit. You'll feel, you know, sliding, of course, um, because it's rear wheel biased. And, um, if you're riding the seat back, you're likely going to get sick, especially in those <laughs> corners and at that speed. But uh, it's exactly what I expected. Nothing, uh, nothing out of ordinary. I mean, it's it's 
still a great car. It's very hard to find any faults for it. And um, I truly enjoyed it. So that was kind of the half part of the day. I think we ended up going to a to a ranch. So we did <laughs> a little bit of a off-road. We actually took the X5M through a, uh, through a very um, small river. So I think we're maybe, As one maybe, does with a yeah, maybe like hundred horsepower SUV. Maybe a couple of feet deep, so not more than that. But you know, we just a little bit of that so we can get to that ranch. And we just hung out there a little bit, took some nice photos. And then we yeah, decided to kind of jump back. Yeah, I mean it was yeah, that was kind of cool. I mean it was kind of different, you know, than what we've done before. And then on the way back, it was a longer route actually. So I think the first one was like three hours drive. Coming back was over four hours. So um, extremely long day, but we took the X6M. I kind of wanted to see if it drives the same. There is a huge debate in, in the BMW community, especially on you know on our website. I mean, which one looks better? You know, the, the X6M, <laughs> an ugly car. I mean, I know you personally not a fan of the X6 uh, you know, body fan. style, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I mean, it's very subjective. Again, of course, can't really yeah. argue with that styling. I did like yeah. the X6M. You know, it just looks very, very muscular, honestly, and especially with the M bits on it, you know, the uh, redesigned front fascia, you know, the rear end, it's aggressive, the wide hips. So if you look at the X6M, you know, it definitely looks better than the regular X6 just because of that, especially the white, the super, you know, big wheels help quite a bit as yeah. well. I love so, them on the X6M. The wheels look great. Yeah, they're really, really nice, actually. They've done a great job with the wheel design as well. So I like that. They also have the... Um, and performance brakes on it, so that was uh, that definitely helped, especially when we're speeding up a little bit. Right. Design-wise, I mean, it's totally up to you, right? I mean, people ask me, you know, which one should I pick? It's you know, it's pick your poison, basically. The X5M, you know, it's more of a you know practical car. It's like the X5 is more of a family car. It's, yeah, soccer, it's a much more traditional you know, SUV. Soccer hauler or soccer kids, you know, yeah. uh, hauler, whatever you want to call it. So that the X6M, if you want to deny that you know you're married with kids and you still want to feel like you're single then maybe that's the <laughs> car you would pick you know you want to feel young you want to feel cool i would say probably you know you'll take the x6m it's like it's a halfway midlife crisis car exactly i mean it's less practical in in the back so i'm sure your kids will probably not gonna love that but um no i actually it's cool i had a harder time putting a car seat in the back of an x6 than i did an m340i it's pretty difficult actually yeah, I mean, just looking at the uh, roof line, right? So it's quite low, actually. I mean, they've done a decent job with the seats in the back. The the bench, it's a little scooped in. So are you sitting at an angle a little bit? So that, you know, right. managed to like, push it down a little bit. But, I mean, I'm quite tall, a 6'3". I got about maybe like an inch, an inch and a half headroom. Um, you know, likely if there's a pothole or something, I'll probably, you know, hit my head if I'm not careful. <laughs> Especially but, in the X6M with the stiff suspension. Yeah, exactly. But I'm also on the taller side of things, so I don't right. think I'm average height. So no, I mean, I'm on the extreme of things. But yeah, I mean, it's less practical. Clearly, I mean, the the opening there, it's a little bit tighter. You know, the roof line, the trunk is actually quite spacious. I don't recall exactly how it compares to the X5M as far as space in the trunk, but it, it does have a lot probably of space. similar. Yeah, it does have a lot of space. It's I think very it's, deep. It's, it's knock, uh, it's like practicality knock of the trunk is just because of the roof line. Like you can't yeah. get like tall things. Like height. Yeah. Yeah. You probably can't the use the height. height. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's probably deeper, but you know, it has less, 
less height for and going uh, for the it. load lip is high like you have to pick like if you have to put something heavy and it's going to be a little tricky because you got to pick it up quite high to get over that like rear yeah that's true that's true lip. but then again you know like those are little <sighs> things you know i mean i guess if you buy their car you kind of know what to expect so yeah you so know you i mean pay um, for style exactly and you and i talked about you know the design of those cars and you know people mm -hmm. point out the q8 and i still don't think the q8 it's a car that really competes with the x6 or x6m uh i mean it's basically just a different design style more of a sport back you know riding higher or you know yeah, the q8 is probably the most different of all the big suv coupes i think the the yeah. closest example is the mercedes gle coupe the, C yeah. the amg 63 the mm -hmm. that one that's probably the closest i mean it's yeah. like it's almost like they carbon copied the damn things off each other um, i agree but uh, yes. yeah, the q8 no. the q8 isn't nearly as like rakish in the back like it's roof line isn't anywhere near as aggressive as uh, the yeah XXM. totally different body style i mean similar proportions but just different yeah so riding rides the same as the x5m there is absolutely no difference really i mean honestly really? you'll probably take a pro driver to really you know tell us if it really drives better or if you can get better performance out of it but it drives exactly the same it has the same exact setup when it comes to the suspension and the steering and the engine like the suspension tuning might be a little bit different to accommodate for a different body style but honestly i didn't ask them it's just my assumption so right. um yeah, actually so one question kinda, i have mm -hmm, sure. one question i have actually um does the do either of them or i guess it would be both uh do they have the like adaptive brakes like the m8 does the m8 has like the two-way brakes you can do comfort yeah sport. it's called brake by wire i think that's the right. terminology they use yeah, so yeah, it, it's, it does it's, have uh, that did you like because i haven't tested i test the m8 for like two seconds on track at a uh, uh, spartanburg but like i didn't get a chance to change the mode did you know did you get a chance to do that and if you did like did you notice actually, any difference actually i don't think i did change the mode that's actually a good point I don't think I did. It might have been set up differently in both cars, but I can't really speak to that. That's a good point, actually. That's something to keep in mind when we get a car to test drive again. That might be the best compliment yeah. you can give BMW right now, though, because that's a break by wire has had some like iffy results in different cars. So the fact that you mm -hmm. barely, you kind of like almost forgot that it had, even had it is yeah, a good I mean, thing. I, you know, like you didn't just, notice that it was artificial. I mean, braking was great. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, pushed the car quite hard. I mean, we got up to 180 kilometers per hour at some point. So that's about, yeah. I don't know, it's over 100 miles. I don't know the conversion right now, but extremely yeah, fast. So we had to, we, I mean, I had to brake hard quite a few times and I didn't feel any, any issues with that. I actually liked them. I, they, they felt really grippy, you know, sticky, same thing with, yeah. with the tire. So honestly, it was one of those cars where you just get behind the wheel and drive fast. It, it actually, kind of makes you feel like you're a super fast driver you know <laughs> especially the x drive it's really nice the mx drive system so it keeps you like on the road but it doesn't take away the fun so it does slide a little bit lets you slide a little bit in the back then kind of puts you back on the on the on the road on the proper line so it's just a lot of fun so that's kind of the nice part about those cars you just jump behind the wheel and you can drive you know if you're right. an m3 and m4 or an m2 you gotta have a little bit more skills you know to really you know go fast but for those cars it's just sheer power basically raw power and you know just make sure you know what you're doing with the steering and you should be good to go yeah now uh yeah. now m fans are getting a little taste of like the audi life from all the you know it, it's all yeah. all-wheel drive and all tons of grip whereas like m2 still has that 
you know, you're on a knife edge a little bit. You have to be careful. You have you can't push it too hard or you'll go sideways. You know, M2 has still has that, but yeah, you know, and M3 is going to be all-wheel drive too. Yeah, the M2, they've been playing with plenty of accidents where they have crashes, you know, people not being able to control the car. So Yeah, I've had yeah, my fair share of uh, uh, butthole clenching yeah. moments. <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes a lot more more skill and you have to pay attention a little bit more than you would with, you know, sure. X5M, X6M, X3M. So that was kind of the thing. I mean, the other thing that I noticed, the um, I did a few tests on YouTube with the exhaust. So the exhaust sounds actually quite nice. I've tested the exhaust, you know, with a uh, morning start, a, a cold start, and it was really nice. Also with the valves open, and you get those blurbs, you know, and that's right. kind of rewarding. Those sound inside the cabin. Uh, of course, that's kind of you know how it works these days, and yeah. um, I believe you can adjust it now. I, I didn't oh, get a straight right. answer. Yeah. I didn't get a straight answer if you can completely turn it off or not, or you can just reduce the intensity of the fake sound inside the cabinet. But there is an adjustment now in the uh, uh, infotainment system where you can actually play around with that. So I will have to go back once again when we get the car and kind of take a look at that because that will be quite interesting. And I did ask over, you know, a discussion with one of the engineers responsible for the drivetrain and the engine, and I said, well, you know, what's going on with the sound, you know, and, you know, why can't you make them sound a little bit better? And basically, he said that, you know, most of the things that they have to deal with are regulations. And especially in Europe, there is a lot of sound pollution laws, uh, either in place or coming up. So they have to deal with that in order to comply. So they could actually make the car sound louder, but they can't because of those regulations. And um, that's why they kind of use to give a better sound inside a car versus on the outside. Right. So to and them, it was quite challenging because they said they have to keep this balance where they still want to please the customer, but then again, they have to comply. So it's it's not an easy task for them to find that right balance. Now, will American cars, because you said that was only European regulations, right? Will American cars be louder? Well, this one was an American spec, so it will definitely sound also, I think, better than the European because it doesn't have the OPF. I think the OPF uh applies to all of the um european cars right now yeah. so i would assume that's uh, even more tamed when it comes to sound just because of the uh what is it called the utter uh particle filter yeah, the particular yeah, filter the, yeah yeah that's the german i think um, yeah because we've, we've noticed so. that the m340i and the z4 m40i both sound better in the states versus europe exactly. because of that filter it kind of muffles the exhaust a little bit exactly so i expect the same thing with with those Right. Um, so that's that's kind of like on the sound, but yeah, like overall, I mean, just to kind of conclude this, uh, great car. You know, if you're in the market for a car of that type, you kind of know what to expect. There are few options in that segment, so you know you can just go and try them on and see which one you like best. I think performance-wise, they're all pretty much up there. Just comes down to personal preference. But you know, when it comes to you know the new ones, definitely an improvement. Definitely great cars. And, you know, if you have the money to buy it over an X5 M50i or X6 M50i, then, you know, I highly recommend it. It's definitely more emotional and more engaging. And it's an M car in the end. So, you know, you'll turn some hats, you know, whatever you go yeah. with that car. Actually, that's interesting. You know, actually, the last point on that, I was writing with um, uh, with Benny from our, you know, sister magazine, Beamer Today. And basically, Benny was telling me how ridiculous, you know, those SUVs are in Europe. Like, people... They just look down on you. If you drive like a large SUV, like an X5M, X6M, they actually, they, 
they're very condescending or they just look <laughs> down on you because they they assume that you're rich and you're trying to show off. So actually, I've learned that some executives there, they have the money to kind of buy a, you know, X5M or X6M or an M5, but they're not because they don't want to be perceived like they're making too much money and they're wasting <laughs> them on cars. So they go with like a regular 5 Series or like a regular X5. Not so, here in America. Exactly. America, the so, bigger the car, you have the better. Yeah, so I mean, it's I mean, it's nice to you know be able to buy something that you can afford and enjoy it, especially if you have the money. So that was my right. counterpoint to him. Uh, he was also talking about the size, you know, how big the car is really is. And I said, well, you know, let's drive around a little bit. I mean, we're in Arizona, and trust me, there were so many trucks out there, <laughs> and we would pass imagine. by them, and we were the smallest out of all of them. Right. And I even pointed out to Benny, I said, you know, look around, and you know, nobody even noticed that they were in actually an X5M or something like that. I mean, there's so many right. cars around there, we just blend in basically. So it was kind of cool, you know, to see the different you know, perception, different mentalities, different cultures, you know, when it comes to, you know, Europe versus the U.S., the type of cars they like, the type of cars that we like. Um, so it was it made for an interesting conversation. I mean, they got some good points and we have some good points as well. My point was, if you have the money, you know, buy the best car that you can. Don't really care what other people say. If you enjoy that, right. you know, just go for it. It's blurt, right? I mean, that's why you're working yeah. hard, so. That's kind of how, like, I always felt as a car enthusiast in general. Like, I don't buy a car because I care about what people think of me while I drive it. I buy a car because I want to drive that specific car. Like, that's all I care about. And I think that's how car enthusiasts in general, just how they feel. You know, like, most people, Mm -hmm. like, most enthusiasts like to drive. So they buy the car they want to drive. I think outside perception is secondary. I almost would fall to, you know, judging some other brands like, a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. If I see like a crazy color, like a green or one of those, I'm like, oh, come on, really? I mean, do you really <laughs> need to get that color? But honestly, I'll probably get the same one. I mean, it's just yeah. if you if you want to stand out, if you you know got a more eccentric taste, why not go for right. it? Right. So, and there are sleeper cars, and there are not. Like an X5M is you know it's it looks aggressive if you know what you're looking for but if you don't know you know that it's you know if you don't know don't know cars that well it just looks like a you know sporty looking x5 exactly so you can get that in like a black or a gray or something and it just kind of looks like a cool suv Mm -hmm. and you don't have to look ridiculous but it also has the power to you know hang with supercars so it's yeah exactly and i mean we're in arizona so if we were in california i would have assume people would have noticed the cars right away, especially the, yeah. you know, the car enthusiasts and they would have, you know, probably taken photos of the car and stop us to ask questions. But right. in, Arizona, in Arizona, I don't think there is a huge market for M cars. So <laughs> no, probably not. To, yeah. I managed to blend in a little bit more, but yeah. nonetheless, it was quite fun. So I had a great time. I'm actually looking forward to read your review when you get the car for like a week, because that's a different oh, type of test. I you would know, love that. Really, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's coming up, so we should be able to get one in the spring, you know, and, you know the weather is nice and i'm kind of yeah. curious to see what do you think about the car but it's it's fair to say that most of the people will use the x5m and x6m inside a city and not really go on on some of those you know curvy back roads in the middle Surely, of nowhere to yeah. test their performance so yeah Surely. really so that was cool no it looked like an awesome trip and it, uh you know yeah, short. hard to be driving 600 short yeah yeah short a lot of miles to drive but uh not not complaining. Could be worse jobs out there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, always have to take a step back and be like, "This is not a bad day at work." Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, it's hectic yeah. and you know, in and out, it's, but it's <laughs> there are worse days at work. 
Exactly. Um, all right. So I know you don't have a lot of time, so I want to jump into our next topic, which is the new logo that BMW debuted uh, on the i4 concept. All right. So, so tell me what you think, because I have my own opinions. I mean, I've studied, uh, you know, user interface and user experience design quite a lot, actually, in my college days. So I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts, and I'll tell you mine. I really like it, actually. Maybe I'm in the minority, and I see. Oh, why is that more- though? I just, it's simpler, it's cleaner, um, and I think it looks much more modern. And I think, like, one of the things that I was saying, I think a couple podcasts back, I was saying how BMW kind of needs to shake it up and be bold, like, for the sake of being Mm -hmm. bold, like, kind of be more interesting. And I think this is a good way to do it. Like, I don't know, it kind of reshapes the brand a little bit. It's it's Mm -hmm. clean. Uh, I like the the lack of the black ring. I kind of like that being transparent. Mm -hmm. I know it's not going to be on everything, but I like it. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool. And I like the fact that you could see the body color, like through the logo. I don't know. It's just Mm -hmm. something I liked it. Yes. I mean, I, last week when they launched the logo, I I did a podcast actually by myself. It's going to come up uh, soon also with uh, Jens Thiemer. He's the, um, you know, vice president, senior vice president of BMW marketing or brand management. So basically the head of all marketing for BMW group. And we had a great conversation on that. And I mean, they're definitely trying to, you know, bring some, something new to the brand. They're trying to connect with a new demographic, you know, new customers. So that was the change. But I think the message that I got, you know, during our conversation, it was actually uh, the wrong one because I had to go back and actually confirm that I misunderstood. Basically, I thought that the logo, it's going to be used on cars and not just on marketing material. So I kind of went with the story and everybody went, you know, up in the arms complaining about that. But apparently <laughs> they're only using that on the concept car. This one for now, maybe some other concept cars coming up. There are no plans currently to use it on production cars and there are no plans to actually use it at dealerships. So basically you're still going to get the classic BMW logo of dealerships. And I think the idea was that with a flat logo like they did, so it's kind of like a flat design, something that, you know, Microsoft, you know, started a few years back with mobile apps and then, you know, Apple, like a flat design. So it doesn't have that 3D look. So if you look from far away, it's 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 easy to miss it or it's it's not as easy to see it as you, as you would on a 3D logo. So the flat approach could be tricky from far away, could be tricky on certain products so if you apply this onto a car it, it kind of blends in a little bit more with the car so it might not stand out immediately and especially with the outer ring being transparent it's going to cause an issue with some of the colors out there so like against a True. white like against the white background you will look quite strange because there is right. a lot of white there you lose the two white checkers and the and the logo exactly so, so it was like a similar blue right yeah, I mean, if you want to blend in, basically, if you want to you know, build a product that blends in, then that's the perfect way to do it. But if you want that logo to stand out from far away, then might not be. So it will definitely look great on some darker colors, I think. I mean, there were some you know, people that tried that to kind of you know, represent that on some uh, current BMWs. And it looked actually really nice on some different colors. So I think they're, from my opinion, you know, based on my, my knowledge, uh, I, I think they're experimenting. I think they're 
trying to see also what the reaction is. They're probably, uh, you know, taking this slow approach. Maybe it will show up on some cars, maybe some special electric cars or, you know, hybrid sports car. And they're doing that. I don't know for sure. I mean, I'm sure we'll learn more. Apparently, there are a few other surprises in store for us when it comes to branding and all of that. They've also changed the branding on the M, right? So same thing, a flat approach. Yeah. Um, you know, the the three... Uh, the three bars, uh, the, the stripes don't really stand out as much on that right. particular logo. So they've changed that. I think they changed the BMW i as well a little bit. So that one, yeah, it's also losing the, yeah, it's also losing the, the outer edge a little bit, the 3D uh, edges. So it looks flat as well. Yeah. See, I actually like so, it. And I know, like, just to take this with a grain of salt, because I have no experience in design. Um, and if you saw the way I dress, I mean, you have, but if anyone else saw the way I dress, you know, I don't know anything about style, but um, counterpoint to like the, the fact that they don't like the badge wouldn't make the car stand out as much or the, you would lose the badge a little bit if it were flat. Um, like, isn't the, the design of the car, like doesn't BMW have enough design cues, like historic iconic design cues to make it like instantly recognizable as a BMW. Like you have kidney grills and, you know, Hoffmeister kink and stuff like that. Like BMW is really concerned about the, the logo being lost, like, you know, being difficult to see, even though you have the two, especially two I, massive kidney grills. Now. I don't think they're concerned at all. I think it's just the community that's concerned. I haven't heard anything from BMW directly that they're concerned. They actually, they were very enthusiastic about this. They were excited to work on this, you know, trying to give the brand a new fresh look. Uh, changes are always tough. So, of course, you're going to have people complaining about that. But I think from their point of view, this is great. I think they're they're willing to experiment and they're willing to, you know, change the brand, to shape up the brand for the future. And maybe this is just one way to do it. And maybe when we look back, uh, you know, in a few years, you'd actually turn out that the logo, it's actually pretty nice. I mean, if you look at the evolution, I think there was an infographic which showed like six different type of yes. logos over 100 years. I mean, you can see the progression there, right? So, I mean, if you go back in time, I'm sure that every change was like, oh, really? Now we have to change this. That one kind of look nice. Yeah. So, I think it's kind of the same thing. There was a big jump, I would say, from one logo to the next one. And, uh, I mean, color-wise, you know, font-wise, uh, yeah. even the i think three logos ago to put it that way or two logos ago there was another kind of flattish design just with a with a black outer edge and that one actually looked quite nice so i think that's kind of what they're playing with right now yeah i like it i like the idea that they're messing with it um i think it's good i mean i mean i also i like the flat approach i do i think the the more three-dimensional one we have now looked great in the 90s but i think it just looks dated at this point it kind of looks like yeah. it kind of looks like old like old computer graphics like old software kind of has a used to have that like everything had that like gradient effect to it you know back in like the 90s and early 2000s like every logo so i like yeah. the flat approach i think it's more modern i think it's a little bit more minimalist mm-hmm. and uh i just i don't know i hope they kind of roll with something like that because i think it looks yeah. pretty cool we'll see what happens i mean if you speak to a ui ux expert you know user experience user interface mm-hmm. expert i'm pretty sure the one thing that they will tell you is that the flat shapes like the details they really create depth and dimension so i mean that's kind of the one thing that they will tell you right away and i think you're also losing like shadows and highlights and especially the texture so you're not able to reproduce that on a flat logo and i think of course yeah that's one of the that's one of the downsides of that approach but um yeah and also with the 
2D logo, it's not, like I said earlier, it's not easily recognizable, you know, as a, you know, 3D approach. But I guess we'll have to see. I mean, I'm kind of actually curious to see if they're going to use that on another concept that they're going to show maybe, you know, the iNext, iX. Yeah. Whatever that's going to be. I'm actually curious to see what's going to be used on the production i4, which, you know, that kind of leads us into the next topic. So uh, I guess that was the last one that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. You know, they use the logo right now on the i4. I actually, I've had a photos for quite some time. It was an embargo on it. And I did not even pay attention to it. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I saw the photos quite a few times. You know, on different screens, and honestly, that logo did not stand out because I would have probably asked them immediately, you know, <laughs> what's up with that. So it actually looked quite nice on that car, especially with that copper, bronzeish, whatever color that is. Right. I, yeah, I liked it. Nice. I liked yeah, it. It, it looked really the nice. Color, like through the transparency of the logo, I liked that. I thought that was. I mean, cool. That was a nice color too. So you know, very shiny, very bright, very you know, stands out. It's in your right. face. So that was kind of cool. So that was the way we saw it first. But um, yeah, so the i4, right? I mean, that was the other, I would say, another crazy topic in a BMW world for the last few weeks. Yeah, if Um, you ask any BMW enthusiast right now, this is like the worst time to be a BMW. Yeah, I mean. Big grills and i4 and just so much logo change. Yeah, you and I haven't talked, actually, but uh, our traffic because of, that story, the i4, and then the logo, I think we went up uh, about five times the traffic that we <laughs> normally have. So oh I was actually looking at some stats, and I was talking to BMW about that. I'm like, this is absolutely insane how much uh, you know, traffic and how much attention the car actually brought to the brand. And I was looking over three days, we had over you know half a million readers on the <laughs> oh website God. only. So that was an absolute record. you know. Yeah, we got to tell BMW to keep being controversial. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I think it's very, it's a very, I mean, clearly the design, it's, you know, controversial and you will spark a lot of discussions. But I think also there are a lot of people that are interested in electromobility. There are a lot of people that read our website now that I see more comments on electric type of articles than on an M article, for example, sometimes. Uh, because people are just committed to electromobility. They want to see new products, so they get excited when they see something like that. But with, without a doubt, the main story of the i4 concept was the Kine Grill. And we knew, right. that it's, we knew that it's coming. We've seen the vision dynamics concept. I actually saw it personally two years ago in Frankfurt. Yes, I was in Frankfurt. It had a different type of grill. Um, it was a one-piece and uh, not the same as this one. This one looks more like a mouth. The other one was more flat, more one piece. So I knew there was comments. Didn't know what what type of design until we saw the four series coupe leaks. So there was a four series coupe leak a few weeks ago, yeah. and that one kind of you know sealed the deal. I mean, I knew it's coming. I just didn't know exactly what it would look like. And you know, clearly the car it's based the i4. It's based on the four series platform on the new one on the four series Grand Coupe to be more specific. So it will. It definitely shares, you know, most of the design features and also the front grille. The conventional power car will probably have a different type of, you know, slats in the kidneys to right. accommodate for cooling and all of that. So it will look a little bit different. But yeah, I expect the shame. Grill. Yeah, I expect the shame to just, you know, I mean, it's kind of the same as we saw in the photos. So very yeah. controversial. I personally like the car because I've been dying to get a new electric car for quite some time. <laughs> I still have to wait. I mean, we'll talk about that in a second, but, you know, driving i3s for the last six years, I always wanted a new BMW that has an electric drivetrain. 
and been waiting for a car like this for quite some time. I've been telling also the BMW in engineers and the BMW i executives for years that every time that I would see them, I would actually bother them. I say, hey, you know, so how about a Tesla? How about, you know, what a, <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing some decent things, you know, they're putting out some cars that look actually quite nice. And I told them, I said, you know, if years back you would have come out with a, you know, three series electric, a four series electric, an i4, even the i3, if it had a different shape or a different design, you would have sold significantly more cars. Right. And the conversation, you know, Tesla versus BMW would have been completely different if they had a good looking car. I mean, they've I done agree. they've done a great job with the manufacturing process. I mean, the i3, it's a piece of engineering that you rarely see in the world. And especially, you know, when you have to mass produce it. So it's not a supercar, oh, it's something that you have to mass fascinating. produce it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's unbelievable what they did. And I truly enjoy the car, but it's not a very good looking car, you know, to just put it mildly, right? I mean, they've tried to come up <laughs> with this concept of a city car, but I think if they would have backed on a, you know, sedanish, coupe-ish kind of design, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, whenever the project started more than that, I think they would have sold a lot of cars. I mean, a lot of cars would have been sold just based on the design and with a decent driving range, I think it would have been a slam dunk by now. But fortunately, right. you know, I mean, they took a gamble. It doesn't always pay off. I think they're trying to fix that. I'm not finding any excuse for them, but um, it's. I think the uh, it's coming out next year, the regular i4. Then uh, its production starts, I think, second half of 2021, and then it will come into some markets in early 2022. And I think that's when we're going to get it in the U.S. as well. I'm hoping that's going to be, you know, early 2022 and with a, with a decent price. I don't know exactly what what to expect, but it's exciting to see that. And then, um, I mean, conversation will be uh, will will continue over the next two years because people, you know, say, hey, it's game over. Tesla, it's way ahead. And those guys are way ahead. But, you know, if you look at the electric mobility market or the electric market, it's only like 2% of the overall market of the car market. Oh, yeah. So still very small. There's still 98% of the market to to be conquered. It's a right. long, it's a long play. It's a long, oh, yeah. you got to play right. the long game here. Right. And I think eventually, I think in five years, everyone will compete in every single segment with electric products. And then we will see, you know, who actually builds better cars. Is it Tesla? Yeah. Is it, you know, Audi? Is it Mercedes? Well, we don't we know yet. Pretty, we could be, I mean, I think we could take an educated guess that it won't be Tesla. And it's not that, like, <laughs> Tesla's bad. Know. But, I mean, when you, when you factor in, say. like, the, the engineering and manufacturing might of the BMW group, the Volkswagen group, um, you know, GM and these these brands that have so much bigger R and D budgets and manufacturing techniques and more plants and bigger supply chains. Like once these brands start to really roll into the into electric cars, I really think Tesla's stranglehold on the market's gonna drop. Like they just don't I don't think they have like the means to keep up. You know, I mean when was the, the last it's hard to tell that was the model three and that was bad. years ago. You know I wouldn't bet against them though, and I'll tell you why, because First of all, they're really pushing the boundaries on many things. I mean, look at the Tesla Cybertruck, right? When it came out, people are like, what is this? And now people actually like it. People actually want to buy it. So they're pushing the boundaries. They have a really good, you know, you know, leader there, I think, is willing to uh, break the norms, trying to come up with something different. They also have an incredible, an incredible following. I mean, they're 
just as committed, you know, to the brand as the BMW, you know, fans are. I would associate these three brands. Yeah, I mean, Tesla fans, BMW fans, and Apple fans are extremely committed to their products. They're advocates, you know, they're doing the marketing for you many times. So I think everyone that I talk to is a Tesla owner. They love their car. They're, They're willing to look past any flaws, any... Uh, you know, design, manif- uh, you know, like design issues or manufacturing issues and all of that. So we don't know. Honestly, I think the automotive industry is looking at Tesla right now, you know, uh, as a uh, as a challenge for everyone. I think Tesla is pushing everyone to build better cars and come up with new things. And I think that it's just, I agree with for sure. Yeah, great, it's great competition. We don't know what the customer will look like in the next few years because. The way that we used to buy cars based on, you know, the type of leather that's inside, the type of wood and all of that, it's kind mm-hmm. of gone because nobody really, you know, the new demographic, new customer, they don't really want to go buy leather. They want to buy something that's synthetic, right? So they want to be right. eco-friendly or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what, it, what, is, what is it called? PETA-friendly, PETA-friendly, <laughs> PETA. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they want to do that. They, they don't want to chop trees down so they can get the best wood in there. So that's right. why it might come down to not necessarily who's got the best craftsmanship, you know, maybe it's going to come down who's got the best design on the outside, who's got the best tech, you know, the better tablets inside the car, the screens, the and of right. course, you know, the better driving range. But, you know, just to go back to the i4, I think the design, it's nice. I mean, especially from the side, the sideline, I actually like it quite a lot. I mean, it's oh, yeah. it actually it actually makes me wonder what the Forces Grand Coupe will look like. It's so beautiful from, from the side. The lines are simpler. There is less shapes and it's just so fluid. Super, super nice. I mean, it's it's actually one of my favorite really designs. Well. It's, Proportions it's, is perfect. I mean, yeah. it's not too big. It's not small. Uh, it's got a little bit of an A-series in there just a little bit. So that's kind of nice because the A-series Grand Coupe, it's mm-hmm. definitely a good looking car. I like the back also. They've done a great job integrating the diffuser. So it's a functional diffuser actually because for aerodynamics, they've done a great job integrating that without the tailpipes. If you look at some of the cars that don't have uh, you know, uh, pipes, they just kind of look strange, right? That rear bumper always looks kind of odd. Yeah, every Audi looks, right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, some. I mean, they just look like odd, right? I mean, just one piece of, you know, bumper there. It's just so strange looking. But this one, they've right. done a great job with those fins. It kind of, you know, brings back the the sportiness, you know, right. of the BMW cars. And I like how they flank the side. Like, it's not one continuous diffuser. It's like two separate diffusers. Oh, to flank exactly. the, the rear end. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, so they did a great job with that. They have this little spoiler, I believe, on the trunk, too. So, like, looks cool and it actually looks quite wide from the back i don't know if they enhance the hips a little bit there but <laughs> it's it's quite sporty and yeah of I course you the, go yeah yeah, yeah the go. only controversial design of it is this grill i think the rest of it oh, looks yeah. great like i think the For grill sure. i don't hate it i don't love it i don't hate it but i think a lot it's it's gonna divide a lot of fans but yeah. i think the rest of it is pretty bang on well I, I did a poll on it on instagram and actually there were more people that liked the design than that they didn't so Clearly, people like it. I did the same thing with the four series lick photos, and yeah. um, same thing. People, people actually, there are more people liking the design that uh, than the other. So, well, that's encouraging. Honestly, yeah, I mean, it's it's a strange looking grill, but I think it's kind of what we expected. I think functionality wise, they had to go a little bit bigger with the grill because they have so many sensors in that car. I think you'll have a lot of like you. You will have more advanced, 
you know, self-driving feature. So you need that, you know, lidars and sensors and everything else. So they kind of need to fit that somewhere as well. So maybe that was one of the reasons. I mean, I, I can't wait actually to go to a BMW event, you know, when things calm down a little bit in the world and actually talk to the designers to kind of find out exactly why they went that route. But it's one of those things you either hate it or love it. I mean, I personally love it. I think it's fresh. It's different. You know, I don't want a boring car, so might as well, you know, I had an i3, might as well give me something more, you know, like something (laughs) bolder, something bolder. I just, I mean, they, they say it's 80, 80 to 90% close to production. So I'm assuming they're going to drop the the side mirrors, which they're always really cool in a production model. Uh, They're going to drop the, uh, probably the headlights. They're going to be a little bit different, maybe not as narrow. I'm sure there's some right. regulations there that they need to follow. I mean, if it wasn't for regulations, everybody would, would build on really good-looking cars. And if you look at the sketches, actually, of the i4 concept, a lot of people don't actually look at sketches, but you actually see, you know, the vision of the design, how they really started to, you know, think about the car. And the sketches always look phenomenal because that's the car that every, anybody or everybody wants to build. But when it comes down to engineering and regulation, then they have to tone it down. But if you look at the sketches, that's the vision usually that, you know, BMW design team has. And that's kind of the best case scenario that they they, they want to see. And I love those renderings. They're really, really, really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a good looking car and I really want to see it uh, in pro- like the production model. And I'm more excited yeah. about, honestly, the way it's going to drive. I mean, it's 530 horsepower-ish, yes. right? And like over 300 miles of range. Like, that's Yes, I mean, it's got a, yeah, really good specs. I mean, it's fast, four, uh, four seconds from 0 to 62, 0 to 100 kilometers per hour. Um, I think we'll have different battery packs. They haven't really talked about that. They only confirm one spec. I Truly yeah, believe there's only be, the one spec right now. Yeah, I think they'll truly believe. Uh, I truly believe there'll be two different specs. So I think they're playing around with the naming convention also. I don't think it's going to be called the i4. I think it's going to be called something else. I saw some reports online that we picked up to like uh, either i430, uh, uh, i430 and i440. Basically, the 430 and the 440 they represent, you know, the more expensive, the better model, basically, like they do right. with the normal cars. So they might right. go something like that. So I think they're going to have like at least two different battery sizes, uh, more range. I think the mm, the best case scenario, they said 600 kilometers. Uh, and I'm assuming that it is, but that's on w, WLTP, which is a little bit more generous than the EPA rating. So yeah. I think the EPA rating will be a little bit lower. But I would say it's fair to say they will have over 300 miles range. I mean, and that's different. really good. Yeah, it is really good. I mean, it's going to come down to infrastructure at that point and the charging capabilities. Right. And that's really the thing. I mean, range. Yeah. like the, the charging capabilities are the most important thing because like the difference, the functional difference between 200, 200 miles and 300 miles of range for someone every day is pretty small. Like like the, no one's really going to use that extra 100 miles every day, but it's the fact that if you can charge up in a half hour, you know, that makes a huge difference. You know, versus, it's you know, it's not just the charge time; it's really the uh, finding charging stations. So I will be gladly a, giving, yeah. I'll be gladly giving up, you know, uh, fifty miles of my i three range if I could get another ten fast charging stations in my area. I mean, right. I would gladly do that. I mean, to me, it's like always a hassle trying to find a spot to charge a car. I actually went today to charge the car at the grocery store, and the spot was taken by a Chevy Bolt, so I had to wait, and then I stopped yeah, waiting sure. and then i left yeah so that's kind of the issue there i mean it's really it's really the issue you know can we get the infrastructure going i mean chicago 
doesn't seem to be up to date with that. I think California, they do a great job, but hopefully it will be a global thing or a global rollout where the infrastructure, it's, it's good and you can actually, you know, charge cars and not have to worry about, you know, extra 50 miles or 30 miles of, of range. But yeah, the specs look good. I mean, it's, the, it's their latest platform. I think they call it a fifth generation. And the other thing that they really don't want to talk about yet, but uh, like, again, I suspect it will, it will happen. It's the uh, all-wheel drive. So I think so far they've only kind of mentioned a real-wheel drive, but I think eventually yeah. there will be one. The press release was vague, so I didn't yeah. specify, honestly. Because Probably on purpose, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was really vague. It didn't specify if it was rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. And like originally assumed it was going to be dual motor all-wheel drive because that's every you know modern performance ev that comes out exactly is dual motor all-wheel drive so i just assumed and then the press release was vague so i was vague as well but it made it almost sound like it was going to be rear wheel drive yeah i don't see them falling behind on that i mean it would make sense i mean they they currently build x drive cars so it makes sense for them to kind of do that and they have that knowledge because they did it on the ia Right. I mean, it's a hybrid, granted, but it does yeah. have the capability of. Yeah, it's a lot know, harder to make the i8 models. actually be all-wheel drive than just two electric motors. You know, exactly. There's no so internal I'm combustion sure, engine. Sure, I'm sure we'll learn more. They, they had or they have some events planned this year based on you know how this coronavirus plays out, you know, for everyone's safety. But they uh, there were some things set up that they will offer more insight into what's coming. So. I was hoping that, you know, I'll learn there more, but we don't know yet how that's going to play out. But I'm sure that we'll learn more about this project. I mean, it's a, it's one of their biggest projects right now. And and along with the I, iNext, iX, whichever name it's going to have. So they will definitely share more on that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I think yeah. a lot of people are. I mean, I just wish it was coming next year. Next year would have been perfect. I think I would have loved that. But Apparently, it takes a little bit more time to set it up. The i3 next year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I don't even know if they're selling the i3 in the US anymore. I think they are, but it's kind of like low allocations and all of that. So, and I really right. don't want to go back to a uh, to a second, you know, you know, gasoline car. I have one, and that's enough. So you'll just have to stick it out and drive your one M, man. It's a real hardship. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's. A, I don't know. It's not easy to drive in <laughs> in the winter. It's. Driving yeah, in the wind yeah. is a challenge. Especially in Chicago, yeah. Exactly. It's a challenge. But yeah, no, that's kinda that's kinda what I had for this week. I mean there were some interesting topics. I think next time yeah, we big can stuff, actually. probably you know talk about the two series Grand Coupe. It's also a car that I drove recently in two different variants, a diesel and the M two thirty five I. And I think you're testing one, right? Yeah, I actually have an M two thirty five I uh Grand Coupe outside yeah. of my house right now. So that'll be kinda cool, right? So you can yeah. tell me what you think next time and I'll show you I'll I'll tell you my opinion on the cars. So that'll be, <laughs> that uh, be fun. Yeah, that'll be an interesting topic, and I'm sure there'll be some other things that we can chat about next next time. I think the M3 and M4. It's another good topic. Yeah. There were a few more leaks. Okay. Yeah, uh, we can talk about that as well. Yeah, and I talked to um, uh, Marcus Flash a little bit about it last time I was in LA for the M2 Futura thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the night prior to that, we were at dinner and he was just like kind of candidly speaking about the M3. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm, I'm really optimistic about that. I'd like to talk about that too. Yeah, nice. Cool. All right, man. All right. Well, All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it too. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for stopping by and talking to me about all this fun stuff. Um, as always, 
if uh, anyone has any questions, shoot them at nico at bmwblog.com. So it's N-I-C-O at bmwblog.com. And uh, Thanks, is there anything Nico, else, yeah. you good? No, that's all. Thanks for having me. Appreciate okay. it. And I'll speak to you soon. All right, man. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye.